Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, Story Hour at the Library, How It Has Changed. I recall going to Story Hour when I was a young boy in Maine. You would pull up, get a chair, listen to a sweet librarian read a story about some sort of imaginary creature having either a very good or very bad day and learn lessons accordingly. Today in 2019, Story Hour at your local library may well be taking on a very new shape. This has been in the headlines a good bit recently, and for good reason. Drag Queen Story Hour is now a thing, and it's not a niche venture. It's growing in popularity in American circles, and it's a matter that Christians need to give attention to. What is Drag Queen Story Hour? It's actually a thing. It's not just uh, something you've seen somebody label on Twitter or Facebook or something like this. It's an established practice now, apparently, in American libraries, American public libraries. Here's what the American Library Association says about DQSH. Many libraries across the country have been hosting or participating in Drag Queen Story Hours. A few have experienced pushback from some members of their community. To support libraries facing challenges, we have established this collection of resources. ALA, through its actions and those of its members, is instrumental in creating a more equitable, diverse, and inclusive society. It goes on. Drag Queen Story Hour is a program or event featuring drag queens reading stories to children in libraries, schools, or bookstores. It was created by Michelle T. and Radar Productions in San Francisco, California. The official Drag Queen Story Hour website is www.dragqueenstoryhour.org. Okay, so that is what Drag Queen Story Hour is. That's according, again, to the American Library Association, the standard body of librarians in America. Now, as I have said a few minutes ago, librarians... Uh, in my experience, have done a lot of good for this country and have, you know, generally been part of producing a culture of literacy in different ways and uh, communicating solid principles and ideals in the past. But we are witnessing today something of a sea change in American public and cultural life. And Drag Queen Story Hour is very much part of this shift and this new trend in America, and I would presume even beyond this country. We need to see that program leaders behind Drag Queen Story Hour are open in their goal to affect children. In other words, according to the drag queens who actually put on these events, there is an aim behind their production. One drag queen, according to First Things Online, said this, We are trying to groom the next generation. Trying to groom them. In other words, drag queens are not simply, I suppose, playing a role before children, as one would expect coming from a Christian worldview, they're actually trying to teach a worldview. They're trying to teach a kind of way of seeing the world and a certain body of morality that is very, very different from the Christian worldview and Christian morality. At one event, drag queens ask children openly, many of whom no doubt are seeing a drag queen for the first time, I might add, quote, who wants to be a drag queen when they grow up? According to the website behind Drag Queen Story Hour, this program is intended to capture the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood. That is already a sentence, a, a, a clause that should give Christian fathers and mothers tremendous concern, nothing less than tremendous concern. Not just Christian parents, however, 
parents who in any form hold to any sort of a traditional worldview and approach to the parenting task. We want to give kids, the, the website goes on to say, glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. Through Drag Queen Story Hour, um, the site goes on to say, kids are able to see people who defy rigid gender restrictions and imagine a world where people can present as they wish where dress up is real. These quotes are found in the First Thing story about Drag Queen Story Hour by Ramona Taus, June 2019. So what we need to understand is that Drag Queen Story Hour is not a neutral program. I'm guessing many of you listening to this little podcast would guess that initially and know that instinctually, but we need to state this very clearly. There are drag queens out there who are trying to groom the next generation in their own words. In other words, they are trying to normalize uh, gender-fluid behavior that altogether revises a traditional, let alone biblical, understanding of manhood and womanhood and encourages children, even calls children, to embrace a drag queen kind of life. This is normally men, I should add, I hasten to add, who are presenting themselves as women who are doing this at local libraries. It's not normally women who are doing the reverse. It's normally men who are presenting themselves as women and encouraging little boys and I suppose also little girls to embrace this sort of behavior. Shockingly, according to some librarians who I would not doubt in different ways are normal citizens of America, but when it comes to this issue, end up being shockingly on the side of drag queens. Here's what one librarian in California said about Drag Queen Story Hour. This is not a drag performance. There's no agenda attached to this. It's actually very sweet. That's according to Brooke Converse, a librarian. But if you actually look at what Drag Queen Story Hour provides, it's been on my social media timeline, as I'm guessing a good number of folks out there listening to the podcast, you will see that Drag Queen Story Hour, at least in numerous venues, is not anything remotely approaching innocent or sweet. There's sexual dancing, provocative outfits, there's twerking, uh, drag queens wear clothing that is normally reserved for what's called BDSM, bondage, sexual behavior. Uh, There are different drag queens, uh, news stories have shown, who have been in the past Uh, have been in the past trouble for uh, being sex offenders and pedophiles. So the stakes, the stakes are very high when it comes to this now normalizing practice at your local public library. Words fail at this point, don't they? This is where we are in 2019, that in numerous places across America and with the express support of the American Library Association. You can go to the American Library Association website and look at how it presents Drag Queen Story Hour, and you will see beyond a shadow of a doubt that the ALA is advocating for DQSH, for these story hours. They don't even present it really in a neutral way. Uh, they, they indicate that some citizens have pushed back, yes, but, uh, but in general, the presentation of this material is fundamentally positive, as if drag queens reading stories to five-year-olds and presenting a drag queen lifestyle as a positive thing is a good thing. Some citizens are pushing back. In Spokane, Washington, as First Things has shown, there's an effort called 500 Moms Strong 
for example, uh, to oppose Drag Queen Story Hour. This has recently become a public debate even among conservatives. Some conservatives would argue that Drag Queen Story Hour is a small part of American culture and our our culture allows for free speech and this sort of thing. And so we can not necessarily cheer for Drag Queen Story Hour, but nonetheless, there are all sorts of aberrant and perverse and depraved behaviors that our society tolerates that Christians, in some form at least, have to stand by and allow. Um, We would not desire uh, these behaviors, these presentations, let's say, to take place, and yet we're living in a very fallen world. Our agency is relatively limited in many respects, and so there's not a whole lot we can expect to do about Drag Queen Story Hour. I understand that argument. I don't think that argument is without any basis in reality or fact. Other Christians, however, would say, we have a moral, civil, biblical duty to stand up where we see evil being promoted in the public square, in our society, in our culture, and speak against it. The reality is, from a text like Matthew 5, 13 through 16 in the New Testament, one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible, that Christians do have to give an answer, a moral and a theological answer to the matters before us as a function of our citizenship in the kingdom of Christ, and especially to glorify God. The church is called to be the true community of God on this earth. We are called to be salt and light according to Jesus Christ himself. Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You read words like this from Jesus, and they almost, in my view, answer the question before us, what are Christians to do about Drag Queen Story Hour in basic form? These words almost answer the question without even a second comment. Christians are constituted by God's grace, by the power of the gospel, which saves us and remakes us salt of the earth. In other words, that which preserves the earth, that which is in, yes, a ruined, desperate place, but is some kind of preserving agent. And Christians are the light of the world. It's not that we could be the light of the world. It's not that we might be the light of the world. It's not that some of us who wish to be the light of the world can opt into being the light of the world. It is that we cannot be hidden. We're a city set on a hill. We are the light of the world. Friends, there is no other salt in the world, Jesus is saying. There is no other light in the world, Jesus is saying. Christians are those who are salt, and Christians are those who are light. And with this second metaphor that Jesus gives us in Matthew 5, Jesus expressly calls us to let our light shine before others. In other words, they are expressly supposed to see, Matthew 5, 16, our good works. And when they see our good works, they will give glory to our Father 
who is in heaven. In other words, I think what Jesus is saying, to connect the dots theologically a little bit here, is that when we give a moral witness to our world, we will in some form actually perform an evangelistic role simply for unbelievers to see that there is a group of people who are willing to put their lives, reputations, jobs, whatever it may be, on the line in order to oppose evil, is going to have this effect, Jesus says, such that good will be seen in an evil world and glory will be given to God the Father. That is a remarkable statement for us to consider. Christians have gone through some serious house sorting in the last couple decades. Uh, There were certain ways of doing public engagement and cultural involvement and politics in America by evangelicals. That's a tribe I belong to, evangelicals, those who love the gospel of divine grace and preach the gospel of saving grace and believe the, the Bible is God's inerrant word for us and believe that we are called to find community, the community of Christ in local churches, joining local churches, these sorts of foundational principles and theological convictions. Evangelicals, it can be said, have in some cases in the last 50 years not exactly known or not exactly charted the best way to be salt and light in this world. Christians can get too political. Let us say that. We can put our hope in politics. It's a perennial temptation. In truth, it has been a temptation for centuries, even millennia. It still is a temptation today. On the other hand, Christians can be apolitical in a way that ends up quenching salt and squelching light. And that is not our commission from God. Here is what I would say specifically zeroing in on Drag Queen Story Hour for us to think about. You listening to this podcast somewhere in America or even beyond. We have listeners beyond America for sure. You may be watching as a Drag Queen Story Hour comes to your community. You're you're seeing this and you're knowing, of course, by the way, that there's all sorts of fallenness around you. Let that be said. My point in engaging this issue is not to say that issues of gender or sexuality are the only issues Christians should speak up on in their culture, in their society. That's definitely not the case. And yet, we, sh- we should recognize, we are right to understand this as a major challenge to the common good, to the public good in this country and wherever else it takes root. This This is an issue that calls for us to remember our identity as salt and light and to act accordingly. Children are being abused by Drag Queen Story Hour. Children in general in this neo-pagan society in 2019 in the West are suffering tremendously, and they are suffering first and foremost from very harmful ideas, untrue ideas, even evil ideas. They're out there. They're all around us. We know from Scripture that Satan desperately wants to destroy image bearers. He prowls the earth as a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 8. He wants to destroy any human being. He definitely wants to destroy children if he can. And we can't save every child we see. We can't solve every cultural problem on the spot. Let that be said and known. And yet, Christians are called again to be salt and to be light. We are called to let our light shine before others. Friends, in practical terms, I believe this means that if you see this sort of program, this sort of advocacy 
coming into your community, you should be part of a movement to oppose it. You should be part of a movement grounded in your local church uh, in some form, or you, you can even be part of a movement broad-based of citizens in your community across the religious spectrum to oppose this kind of behavior. I don't, I don't think you're confined to, to one line of approach or another. I think that you can feel free to seek to be salt and light in a gospel-driven way, however you're able to be. Whichever approach you would take, you need to always remember that your primary focus as a Christian is, of course, to promote Christ and to share the gospel of Christ. It's not simply, in other words, to have a local community be a little bit cleaner or healthier than it could be. That's not a bad aim by any stretch. Christians should work toward that end. But our ultimate goal as gospel-captivated men and women, is always going to try to be to get the gospel out however we can. Don't misunderstand, though. Please hear this from me if you don't hear it from others, for whatever little this is worth, that I believe Jesus is glorified by speaking the truth in love, his church doing this, by his church acting as moral agents in a fallen world by his people, imperfectly but as best they can, seeking to let the light of Christ, light which is piercingly moral, shine in the world of evil deeds and desperate darkness. Let them see your good works. Let them give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There are so many issues for us to address as believers in 2019. This is a difficult time to be a Christian. The truth is, it's always been (laughs) difficult to be a Christian in this world. That's not new. Now, cultures do rise and cultures do fall. Cultures do sometimes have sort of moral seasons of uplift, and then they have seasons of moral decline. Let that be said. Drag queen story hour is not something that we should sit passively by and allow to come into our communities. We may not ultimately be able to oppose it to, to stop it from being held at the local public library. Let that be said. That's not our ultimate cause and our ultimate work as believers. We're, mo- we're not putting our hope and our faith in our ability to affect public, political, local, communal change. Let that be said. We don't believe that the gospel is fundamentally about transforming communities and making them slightly healthier and better places to live. Uh, I do not hold that conviction. I do believe, however, in a Matthew 5 kind of Christianity, and I do believe even as Jesus says that there is a kind of apologetic and evangelistic effect that is had when Christians clear their throat and stop taking evil lying down and stand up to oppose it, even if almost no one else will. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have a job title. You don't need to be in the workplace. You can be a father. You can be a mother. You can be a grandfather. You can be a grandmother. You can be a single Christian who sees this coming in and decides, I have to say something. To glorify God, I have to speak up. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what this is going to do to my reputation, but I am going to speak up. I would say to you in closing today that you should not fear that your moral witness will get in the way of your gospel witness. Think of uh, another figure, another instance 
in Matthew's gospel. Think of John the Baptist in Matthew 14, 1 through 12. Think about what he did in calling Herod out for his sexual sin in divorcing his wife and adulterously marrying another woman. Think about how John the Baptist was beheaded for doing so and recognize that moral witness for the church as we speak the truth and love to the best of our ability does not get in the way of gospel witness. It ultimately is supposed to point to gospel witness. Those who are living morally and advocating for Christian truth and Christian morality are not doing so as an end unto themselves. They are ultimately trying to show a watching world and even fellow Christians that Christian morality points to the Christian gospel, which enables us to stop loving evil and start loving the light. Brothers and sisters, let's recognize this. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man. Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Ministry degree program is your next step in training for local ministry. The Doctor of Ministry program at Midwestern Seminary is designed to equip and train leaders with a commitment to the local church. With multiple emphases available, including counseling, church revitalization, expository preaching, leadership, and missions, among others, your program provides the equipment you need in practical theology for direct church work and ministry leadership. And because all of our doctoral programs are modular, you don't have to leave your current ministry to pursue your degree. For more information, visit mbts.edu today. That's mbts.edu.